Thank you for listening to the podcasts from Life Central Church. For more information or to visit one of our locations, go to lifecentralchurch.org.uk. Great to welcome you if you are watching from Hagley or Rowley or Clibbury or you're watching online or, or you're here in the room. We are so glad that you've joined us today for this really important subject. And we're asking this question kind of, do we still believe in miracles? Do we still believe that God is a miracle working God? And after all, what is a miracle, right? And the dictionary defines a miracle as this, an extraordinary and welcome event that is not explicable by natural or scientific laws and is therefore attributed to a divine agency. An extraordinary and welcome event, not explicable, not explained by natural or scientific laws and is therefore attributed to a divine agency. Do we still believe in miracles? A couple of week, weekends ago, I was due to fly to Scotland. It was the same day as Storm Gladys, not Gladys, Eunice, thank you, Gladys, Eunice, Dorothy, something like that, Doris. It was the same day as Storm Eunice and they were predicted snow in Glasgow. So I'm thinking it's not going to happen. So I'm phoning in the morning saying, is it happening? Is that? And he said, well, we'll make a decision by lunchtime. So I said, well, I'm going to leave for the airport at two o'clock. Now, I love travelling. I don't particularly like flying in turbulence, okay? So I'm thinking 100 mile an hour winds, all of that. So I'm, I'm waiting to, for them to cancel it. But they're Scottish, all right? So we cancel things for the slightest bit of snow. Those guys put their big coat on, all right? They're not going to cancel it. So I'm sat there in the airport. I'm waiting for my flight. Delayed an hour. Delayed two hours. Delayed three hours. Delayed four hours. Delayed five hours. I'm thinking, God, this is a sign. It's not going to happen. So I go into Costa and I sit down and I just sit and I've got my iPad out. And there's this young couple. And I start talking to this young couple, as I often do. And um, then they say, so, so what are you doing going to Scotland? And I say, I don't think it's going to happen, to be honest. I just don't think it's going to happen. But I'm, a, I'm, I'm public speaking. I'm speaking at an event. And they said, oh, what are you speaking at? And I said, oh, I'm a pastor of a church. They said, what kind of church? And I said, an Elim church. And she says, my dad's an Elim pastor and I know him. And then she says... And then she said, do you know, and she mentioned two Scottish pastors, that's the only two Scottish pastors I know. And I'm going to speak for both of them. So is that a sign? Is that a miracle? Or is that coincidence? Years ago, when we were just first married, we didn't have kids, and uh, I was working uh, for a mission organisation, and I'd done this big piece of work, which was putting a, a music book together, a song book together for Spring Harvest, which is a festival uh, in this country. And I was given a bonus, like a, a few hundred pounds extra, and we were really tight on money in those days. And as I'm driving home to see Alison, I've already spent the money in my head. Do you know that? Because this is extra money, so I've spent it in my head. And I get in the house and I say, Alice, you never guess what? I've had this extra money that we weren't anticipating and I tell her how much it is. And she says, that's great because the boiler's just broke and it costs that exact amount of money to spend. And I'm like, great. That's a miracle, right? But I'd spent it not on a boiler, but on other things. Is that coincidence or is that a miracle? And then I remember as a young guy working for this evangelist, and being in this crowded hall where this lady who'd been in a wheelchair for decades and decades is prayed for, gets out of the wheelchair and runs all around the NEC. It's a miracle, right? You see, the thing is, I think many of us have stopped believing in a miracle working God. 
And maybe if you're watching or you're in the room and you don't even believe in all this stuff, maybe you're too advanced, maybe you're too scientific, maybe you're too progressive. Because there's a view that when science delves deeper into the world and understands the world more, it will result in less belief about God, not more. The problem is that's not working out. And it's called the myth of the secular age. And one of the leading world observational cosmologists, a guy called Alex Sandage, he said this, he put it like this, it is my science that drove me to the conclusion that the world is much more complicated than can be explained by science. It's like it's science that drove me to believe that there's more to this world than can be explained merely by science. And we're calling this series, When Pigs Fly. And what that phrase means, if you've never heard that, it's literally technically called an idiom of improbability, which sounds like I know a lot of things that I don't. It's an idiom of improbability. In other words, yeah, it's just not going to happen. Let me give you a few. I'm going to lose 25 pounds before the summer. Yeah. What would you say to that? When pigs fly. Okay. Your teenager will tidy their bedroom without you asking them. And your response to that is, your mate is going to buy that round of drinks he's been promising since 1984. And your response is when Andy Hancock, our resident scouser, is waking up tomorrow and he's going to become a Man United supporter. (laughs) So that got the biggest laugh in the room, that one did. When pigs fly, it's like, it's just not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. And maybe... You're one of these people that say, do you know what? I'd believe in God, yeah, when pigs fly. When something amazing happened. And so I've looked at this idiom of improbability and I thought, I asked myself this question, do other countries have an idiom of improbability? Do they have a phrase like when pigs fly? So I did what all preachers do these days, Googled it. And here's what, here's what Turkey, in Turkey, their uh, equivalent is when the garden is full of ducks holding pastry in their hands. Okay, right. Germany, when dogs bark with their tails. Yeah, that's a good one. France, when chickens have teeth. Weird. And then my favourite, because this is one of my favourite countries on the planet, Bulgaria. I've been going to Bulgaria since 1990, okay? Got incredible friends there. And, uh, and, And our worship leader, Kalina, is Bulgarian as well, so I need to be careful. But theirs apparently is when the pigs, when the pig climbs the pear tree in yellow slippers. So I thought, that's too weird. So I messaged another Bulgarian friend of mine and says, do you have this phrase? And he messaged right back and said, nope, never heard of it. And he said, we do have this phrase, when the wooden slippers blossom. It's just as weird, isn't it? So basically, we all have, as a people, as humanity, we all have this idea that we just don't quite believe in miracles. And we come up with a phrase, a when pigs fly kind of phrase to basically say, we don't quite be there. We're too sceptical, we're too cynical, or we're too progressive and educated. But you know, in this series, we're going to look at miracles. We're going to look next week at the miracles of deliverance. We're going to look at miracles of protection. We're going to look at miracles of provision. And today, we're looking at the miracles of healing. And we're asking this question, are miracles and healing still a thing? 
And I want to credit this because this is a series that Life Church, Craig Rochelle's church in America, did several years ago. And they're so generous as a church. They give this material to churches all around the world. They say, use the material. We don't need to be credited, just use it. And I'm so grateful to churches like that across the planet. And some of the material we're using is taken from some of Craig Rochelle's talks and others is our own material as well. And as I've been thinking about this, I thought, you know, one of the reasons that we don't think we see it as many miracles now as we used to, is that maybe medicine is so far advanced now that actually many of the things that only God could heal before, now we can, we can receive healing through medicine. To me, that doesn't diminish God. It just makes God even more amazing. Because to me, God is the God of everything and science and medicine, we really value that. And that's underneath God's watch and care. And maybe that's one of the reasons that we don't see so much. Maybe we talk ourselves out of miracles and and things happen that we used to ascribe to a divine intervention and now we don't. Maybe now we just put it down to chance or put it down to coincidence. Or maybe, and this is the one I want to dwell on, maybe our expectancy is not aligned to God's capacity. Maybe we've just shrunk our view of God And maybe we don't think that God could move in miracle working power like we read in the book of Acts and in the Gospels around Jesus. And that's what we want to open up today. You know, in the the life of Jesus, there were 30 different healing miracles mentioned um, and hundreds more implied. Um, Jesus healed people who were visually impaired, who were hearing impaired, who, who suffered from leprosy since birth. He raised people from the dead. And then the early church came along and we incredible miracles, so much so that in one occasion in Acts chapter five, even the shadow of Peter, as it falls on people, they get healed. And my favourite healing story is, is, is way into the book of Acts. And the Apostle Paul is preaching in this house and it's an upper, upper room house, okay, several stories high. And a young guy called Eutychus is listening to the preaching and he sat in an open window. And the Bible says Paul goes on and on and on. Ever been in a place like that? Some of you are saying, yep, right now, right now. You're nodding your head at me. And he goes on and on and on so much that Eutychus falls asleep, falls out of the window, hits the floor and dies. I mean, we have a modern expression, killer preaching, Paul. You were killer that day. Well, this is literally, he literally did. And then Paul goes down and prays for this young guy and raises him from the dead. I mean, what a service that is, isn't it? I'm hoping that that won't happen today, all right? That my preaching won't put some of you to sleep that you die. I hope, really hope that. But what an amazing, amazing experience. But you know, I think two of the big questions that you have and I have when it comes to healing are these two questions here. If God can heal, why doesn't he? And some of you, you're sick right now, physically sick, and you've got illness or you know somebody close to you and you're asking that question. Some of you are asking maybe an even more difficult question is this. If God can heal, why didn't he? And I've been in this church for 30 years, coming up in in October. So I've been in pastoral ministry a long time. And we've prayed for people to be healed and they've been healed. And I've done a lot of funerals. And we've prayed for people for weeks and months and years. And we say to God, God, I know you can and I know you do. Why didn't you? Or why don't you? And there are incredible, difficult questions to this. But you know, before we get into healing, let's just talk a little bit about miracles. So why didn't Jesus do some miracles? 
And there are some reasons why he didn't. Number one, to prove himself. He didn't do miracles just to prove himself. Let's look at the Bible together for a moment. If we can turn to the next slide. In, Luke, in Mark 8, 11 to 12, the Pharisees who were teachers, religious teachers, came and began to question Jesus. To test him, they asked him for a sign from heaven. He sighed deeply and said, why does this generation ask for a sign? Truly, I tell you, no sign will be given to it. Jesus is saying that these people are just testing me to try and prove who I am. And that's not how God operates. Maybe you've been like that as well. Maybe if you're not a follower of Jesus yet and you say, well, if you do this, then I'll believe. So I'm like, prove it, God. God doesn't tend to react that well to that. The second, the second thing that I think happens is this, that Jesus doesn't do miracles to interfere with God's ultimate plan. And, and so if we go to Matthew 26, this, the next slide, Matthew 26, this is written, um, this story here is when Jesus and the disciples are in the Garden of Gethsemane. We're going to think about that in a few weeks' time as we get to Easter. And Judas betrays him and the soldiers come to arrest him. And Peter, so hot-headed, takes a sword out and chops a guy's ear off. Okay, and, and, and Jesus says, whoa, 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 put your sword away. And then he says this, don't you realise I could ask my father for thousands of angels to protect us and he'd send them instantly. That'd be a miracle, right? A miracle. I could do that. But if I did, how would the scriptures be fulfilled that describe what must happen now? So sometimes Jesus doesn't do the miracle we want because there's an ultimate plan at play. And we need to think about that. But the third reason why he doesn't do the miracles that we see often, and this is the one that we want to dwell on, is the third one is this, because there was no faith. There was no faith. And, and, and in this scripture here, the next one, uh, Matthew 13, and he did not do many miracles there because of their lack of faith. Now, now let me just say a few things about this. In Mark's version of this, okay, it says he did not do any miracles there because of their lack of faith, Right? But then it goes on to say, apart from laying hands on sick people who are healed. To me, that's a miracle. So there's something really interesting. Basically, he did do some miracles, but he didn't do as many as he would have done because there was a lack of faith. Now, we need to be really, really careful now as we start talking about healing that we get this right. Don't draw the conclusion that there's a formula to healing. In other words, if you're not healed or, or you don't feel that you're healed, it's because of a lack on your part. That's not what the Scriptures teach. God healed when there was no faith at all. But it seems that God is attracted to an environment where there is faith and expectancy. It's almost like a posture, not a position, where our expectancy is aligned to God's capacity. And it's something about faith that seems to attract the presence of God in a manifest way, which means that more miracles seem to happen where there's more faith present. Your faith moves the heart of God. And so one day Jesus is walking along a road and he's, and he's surrounded with the disciples and a whole bunch of other people and there's a crowd pressing in and people are jostling and people are pressing in on him. And a woman who's been sick for 12 years with an issue of blood, the Bible says, she's tried everything. Uh, and, and it's not only a physical complaint, it means from a religious point of view, she's excluded from the temple. From a social point of view, she's an outcast uh, and everything is wrong. She's tried everything and she pushes through the crowd and she touches Jesus and Jesus doesn't see her, but he senses something has changed. And he says, who touched me? And then he sees this woman 
And then he heals this woman and he says this beautiful phrase, daughter, your faith has healed you. It's the only time he directly says uh, in this kind of way. He uses daughter a couple of times, but this is the only direct time when he says daughter. So not only is he a healer, but he gives her value and affirmation. Your faith has healed you. Or the man who, who suffered from leprosy from, from birth and, and he came to Jesus and says, if you believe, then, uh, sorry, if you want to, you can heal me. And Jesus says, your faith has healed you. But I want you to know, he doesn't really mean your faith has healed you. When you read that in the Bible, because that, that could make us think that it's our faith that heals us. It's not our faith that heals us. It's Jesus that heals us. It's God that heals us. But our faith is a conduit for the healing to happen. To explain it better, I want to introduce to you a, a, a dapper young gentleman. Uh, here he is. Now, when I say a dapper young gentleman, this guy lived at the back end of the 1800s into the early part of the 20th century, the 1900s. He was probably 35 when they took that photograph. They you know, no, he wasn't 35. This is a guy called Smith Wigglesworth. Anyone heard of Smith Wigglesworth? Some of you have, some of you haven't. Google him, all right? This is a bizarre, crazy, amazing man. He was a plumber. He was basically illiterate. Um, his, his wife was a Salvation Army officer. She died. Um, he, he just discovered an incredible faith to pray for people who were sick, even though he had a lot of illness himself, which is a mystery to me around this whole deal. And uh, if you read the stories, there's some crazy stories, okay, about what he used to do in terms of praying for people. But he said something so profound about this, which I really think is important for us to hear, and it's this. Faith is just the open door through which the Lord comes. Do not say, I was saved by faith, or I was healed by faith. Faith does not save and heal. God saves and heal through that open door. You believe and the power of Christ comes. So faith is really important, guys. But if today your faith is tiny, that's okay. Because it's not your faith that will save or heal you. It's the open door through which the power of Christ comes. And it's Him who can save or heal and heal. And I think this is so, so important. And so what I want to do today in the next few minutes that I've got is I want to ask this question. How do we posture ourselves in such a way that we can increase our faith and our expectancy can align with God's capacity? And to do that, I want to take you to one of my favourite, favourite healing stories. It's a well-known story in Mark chapter 10. And uh, we're going to read it together. So if you've got a Bible, you can switch it on or turn it or open it up or you can watch it on the screen. And it says this, Then they came to Jericho. As Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him, told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped. Don't you just love that? Just the beauty of like, Jesus stopped, you know, stopped what he was doing. He was going to Jerusalem. He was going to, to this really important occasion. And yet he wasn't too busy that he couldn't stop for this one man. He said, call him. So they called to the blind man, cheer up on your feet. He's calling you. These are the same people that were shutting him up and trying to keep him quiet. But all of a sudden, Jesus has slapped them really, hasn't he? By saying, call him, not you, but call him. Bring him into my presence. And so they do. On your feet, he's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. 
Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. But again, he doesn't really mean your faith has healed you. Your faith has opened the door for your healing. Immediately, he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. I love this story. And I wanna give you three, what I think are so important. If we're gonna create atmosphere, if we're gonna create a posture, if we're gonna have a posture that aligns our expectancy to God's capacity and creates more opportunity for miracles, we need these three things. Number one, you've got to pay attention to the soundtrack. Andy mentioned this last week, the thing that you're listening to in your head, you've got to pay attention to the voice in your head. I love this little phrase when it says in Mark 10, when he heard that it was Jesus. So if he heard it was Jesus, somebody told him, right? And they didn't just tell him that Jesus was in town. They told him stories of Jesus at work. In other words, his mind was filled, was full of the stories of who Jesus was and what Jesus could do. He heard that Jesus was there. And he, as he heard that Jesus was there, He'd heard stories about what Jesus could do. So his faith level was already high because his soundtrack, the thing that were going over in his head were the stories of Jesus and the stories of what Jesus could do. And I don't know about whether you, if you're in this room or you're watching in a location or you're watching online, maybe you haven't heard what Jesus can do. So you think about a miracle working God and it doesn't mean anything to you because you haven't heard stories that have built your expectancy or your faith. But I want to tell you, there are lots. And so last week, as Alison and myself were at Clibbury Mortimer, and some of you guys might be watching today, and we listened to those stories of people as they got baptised and how God broke into their life and what God did in the middle of brokenness. Or as I think back to last October, November, when many we baptised loads of people here and some of you, people who'd lost their mums or dads when they were a kid, people who'd lost their own children tragically, people who'd lost their wife or their husband, and yet they'd found God and they'd found healing and they'd found forgiveness and they'd found hope. And when you listen to those stories, it can't help but build expectancy because God is a miracle working God. Is there only me that believes it this morning? Come on, give me a little bit of feedback, okay? Getting Pentecostal on you today. And so we need to hear these stories. But you know, and I want to say to you as parents, we also need to tell these stories to our kids. You know, I wonder what, 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 are, the, what are the stories that our kids hear around the table about God? Or do they just hear stories about church? And that's great, but we need to tell more stories about God. We need to tell more stories about who Jesus is and what Jesus can do. Because when we tell those stories and people hear them, their faith level will rise. You see that phrase, when he heard, the, the original language that that was written in, it means to comprehend by hearing. It, it means to hear God's voice in such a way that it births faith within you. That's literally what it means. To hear God's Word in such a way, and the story's in such a way, that it births faith within you. Pay attention to the soundtrack of your life. And can I just say, I, I, I've, I've been at enough gravesides, okay, of children, of young people, of people killed in tragic circumstances who've lost their life, to know that actually, if, if that's all that I think about in the soundtrack of my life, my expectancy goes way down. And I, I don't understand why God doesn't heal sometimes. We'll come on to that. But I do know that He can, and I do know that He does, and I do know that He's asked us to pray for people who are sick. So even though we're going to bury some people, we're going to keep praying for people. Amen? And we're going to keep telling the stories. Why? 
because I think we have to pay attention to the soundtrack in our heads. Number two, we need to be both humble and persistent. Bartimaeus had this humility of an awareness of his own need and yet a persistence to keep going when everyone told him to shut up. And there's this humility where where he knows his own need. You know, he doesn't like try everything else. He knows that it's only God that can heal him. And then when they shut him up, the Bible says he shouted all the more. And that term literally means to scream. It's an onomatopoeic term, okay, which is another big English word. But it basically means he screamed like a raven crying. It's like a guttural kind of scream. He's shouting all the more. He doesn't care about what other people think. He cares about meeting Jesus. He cares about a breakthrough in his own experience. But then he keeps going. Are we persistent? Or do we pray once or twice? Or do we keep knocking on the door? I wonder how many of you have been praying for your own life or for, or for the situation of a friend or a family member. And maybe you've given up praying. I felt when I was preparing this, that the Holy Spirit wanted to say there are many of us and we've stopped being persistent. We've just got tired in the praying and I believe God might wanna wake us up today to say, go again, go again. There's something powerful about persistence in prayer. And then, and then I love this fact that when Jesus calls him, you know, he, he very well could have said, you know, um, when he called him and he said, you know, what do you want me to do for you? Bartimaeus could have said, me, no, 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 I'm fine, I'm good, I'm good. I'm all right, I've sorted it. I just know that you're really good and I wanted to say hi. Didn't say that. He's got this humility that knows that only Jesus can meet his need in this moment. And then he's persistent to keep on going. But the third thing I wanna share, and this is so important, is this. If we wanna see real breakthrough in our life, if we wanna see God's miracle working power, we've gotta be more committed to God getting glory than we are to us getting the breakthrough. Does that make sense? We've got to be more committed to God getting the glory than us getting the breakthrough. And I love this about this story. Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? And he answers rabbi, actually in the original, it's rabboni. So rabbi means teacher, rabboni means ultra teacher. It's like uber teacher. It's like teacher max. It's like ultimately, Bartimaeus says, I know that ultimately it's not about what you do, it's about who you are. You're not just a great teacher, you're the ultimate teacher. You see, God is not worthy of our worship because of His power to change our circumstance. He's worthy because of who He is. God can heal and God does heal, but sometimes God doesn't. And that's when the real test of faith comes. And I want you to see and hear this phrase here. Our faith isn't based on what God does. Our faith is based on who God is. And so ultimately, Bartimaeus is saying, I want you to heal me. But ultimately, it's about you. And you see, I think that if we're gonna see a real outpouring of God's Spirit, if we're gonna see real breakthrough in our lives, it's gonna be when we're not so committed just to breakthrough, but we're committed to God getting the glory. And he says, he says Lord, I wanna see, the original phrase means to look up and recover sight. And I think there's two kinds of sight. There's a physical sight, which is temporary, and there's a spiritual sight, which is eternal. And and the ultimate miracle of God is not physical healing. It's the healing and regeneration of your soul. You see, every person that Jesus healed eventually went on to what? To die. But those that He healed and those that He saved and those that came into relationship with Him, even though they died physically, spiritually and eternally, they were alive. And I absolutely love that. 
But you know what's so powerful to me in this story is right at the end of the story. And it's not the phrase where, it, where Mark says, immediately he received his sight. That's brilliant. But the most powerful thing is the next bit in the, in the verse, the last verse of Mark 10, where it says, and followed Jesus along the road. I love that. So he immediately received his sight. So he was, he was healed, but there was something bigger than that. He followed Jesus along the road. And again, in the original language, that term followed didn't mean attended. It didn't mean he was following. It meant he became a follower. He became a disciple of Jesus. And then if you turn over into chapter 11, the very first words of chapter 11, verse one is this, and they came to Jerusalem. Who's they? Jesus, his disciples, and Bartimaeus. Don't you love that? In other words, he's now following Jesus along the road. I absolutely love that. You know, I know people, and this is, this is heartbreaking to me. I know people who've encountered Jesus in miraculous power. They've been healed. They've seen healing. They've experienced miracles of deliverance and protection and provision. And yet they're not following Jesus now. Why? Here's the answer. They're more committed, more committed to their breakthrough than God's glory. But you know, I know other people who've prayed for healing and haven't been healed, who've prayed for miracles of deliverance and protection and provision and haven't received those. And yet those people are still following Jesus. Why? Because they're more committed to God's glory than their breakthrough. I don't know about you guys, but I want to be like this, don't you? I want to be someone who's more committed to God's glory than getting my, my breakthrough. Now, I want my breakthrough, okay? And if you're, healed, if you're sick today or, or, or you've got illness or, or you've got, you know, someone who is, we're going to pray for you today. We're going to believe for breakthrough, whatever that need is. But I tell you what, I want to be more committed to God getting the glory from my life than me getting the breakthrough that I want. When I was a teenager, which is just a few years ago now, there were, there were two biographies that I read made a massive impact on me. One was Louis Palau, who was an evangelist. And then one was a lady called Johnny Erickson, who at the age of 17, I think it was, in the late 60s, dived into a pool to swim and it was too shallow and she hit the floor and she came out of it a paraplegic, paralysed from the neck downwards. And I read her story and I read how she learned to paint with her, a, a brush in her teeth and how she learned to, to write music and songs and, and, and she loved Jesus. And, I, and, and as a, then in my 20s, uh, I got the opportunity to meet her and played the piano for her at a festival uh, as she came and sang. And so I had this incredible little, little moment of connection with this amazing woman. And over the decades, she's been prayed for so many times for healing and God hasn't healed her. And I don't know why that is. That's a total mystery to me. But she said this, she said this in one of her writings, this wheelchair became the prison that set me free. And I thought, what incredible faith that is. Does she want to be healed and to be out of that wheelchair? Of course she does. But, but, but to me, faith is not just about me getting my breakthrough. It's about God getting the glory, even when I don't get my breakthrough. And she says this recently, for 50 years, I've been walking with Jesus, but in a wheelchair. And I don't know whether God will heal you. I know God can, and I know God does, but sometimes God doesn't. But if you're in need of God right now, I want you to know God is a miracle working God. I want to invite you to stand, guys. You can stand maybe in locations as well. And 
I wanna pray for you right now. And there's nothing magical in me, honestly. And I don't know how much faith you've got today, but however much faith you've got today, I wanna invite you to activate that faith and to ask Jesus to come and to touch you. And so if you are physically sick right now and you've got illness in any way, maybe just let's close our eyes for a moment. Or maybe if you're watching online as well, and there will be a link in a moment to a chat, okay, or to to a a response for you. But in the room right now, and if you're watching in one of our locations, we wanna pray. And so if you are physically sick, if it's appropriate for you, maybe put a hand on that part of the body if it's appropriate for you to do that. Put your hands out in front of you, whatever you wanna do, but let me pray. And let me ask God, the God who loves you, the God who died for us, the God who, who's, who broke open all those barriers, who broke open all of that stuff so that we not only could have a relationship with it, but that He could bring a bit of heaven to earth as well. That God who makes a way where there seems no way, that is the God who wants to touch us physically, mentally, emotionally, most of all spiritually. But right now that is the God who wants to heal us. And so Father, I wanna pray for every single person here in this room, those watching online, those in locations, and any of us, God, that are in need of You right now, and we invite You, Holy Spirit, to come and to touch our bodies. I wanna speak to those conditions and pray, God, would You heal us? God, would You set us free? God, where we've prayed before, maybe where we've stopped praying, God, would You raise up again that persistence, that, that, that humility and persistence at the same time. And God, I wanna pray that Jesus, You would touch lives, touch bodies, touch ears, touch eyes, touch cancers and tumours and blood conditions and and, and back pains and knee joint pains and whatever else, God, would You touch us in those areas, not so that we could just be healed, but so that we could bring glory to You. And God, if You don't, we're gonna bring glory to You anyway by the way that we keep following You. But God, right now we ask that You would touch and You would bring healing In Jesus' Name, Amen.